Welcome to Soul Rio, a church where God is made center, families made stronger, and lives restored. Today's sermon is entitled, A New Thing in Our Church, presented by Pastor Floyd Silva on January 17, 2016. To live in, in a, a wonderful city, um, it's entitled The City of Vision, City of Rio Rancho. Um, sometimes that vision isn't always so clear for you and I, uh, but we do hope that uh, God would reveal that to us and show us the purpose and the plan that he has. And as a church, as the body of Christ, our hope and our desire for this new year is that we would go beyond these four walls and that we would reach out to the community around us and, and pray that God would open doors for us to, to be able to help, to serve, to be a part of, and I'll tell you, God is, is already doing that. God is already at work. He is already providing new ways and new opportunities. A couple of them that I wanted to share with you is, is uh, one, um, over the last probably about four months, five months, um, we've been able to connect and engage with our public school system. Um, I've had the, the privilege to, to be a part of uh, a faith-based uh, committee that the city of Rio Rancho, the, the Rio Rancho Public Schools has invited some, some pastors to be a part of. And uh, their desire is just to connect and engage with us as a church and uh, to see what some of our needs are and ways that we can partner in the community to help some needs in the community and uh, reach out to families. So it's a really cool environment. So keep that in your prayers as that grows and expands. And I believe God's going to do some new things in that. The other thing is that uh, there's a couple of elementary schools just right around us. Uh, one is Dr. Martin Luther King and then another one just back over here across from the Chick-fil-A. Um, God is opening some doors there for us uh, to partner with them to help some families. Uh, sadly enough, um, there's a lot of families in our community that just don't have some of the necessi- necessities um, that a lot of us are privileged to have. And so over the, the holiday season, uh, we were able to provide um, a lot of goodies for them. We took coats, jackets, hats, food, you name it, we filled it up. And uh, by God's provision, by God's blessing, he opened some doors there. And we don't want that to be, we don't ever want to be just one hit wonders. You know, we don't want to ever just go in and say, hey, we're going to give because it's Christmas and we're just in the mood. Um, we want to go in and say, hey, we're going to partner with you because we love our city. We believe that God is at work in the hearts and mind of those that live in this community. And as a part of that, as our responsibility, we want to partner with what's going on. And we want to give and help and support and pray and encourage in every way that God would lead us to. And I believe that's a biblical thing to do. I believe that as Christians, we are all called, called to be a part of what God is doing in our city, in our community. Do you agree with that? I hope you do. Well, I want to draw your attention to a passage in Matthew, Matthew chapter 5. And I want to read this because I think it's an important place for us to start this morning before we get into Isaiah. Matthew 5, these are the words of Jesus Christ. He says this in verses 14 through 16. He tells us, he tells you and I that that we are the light of the world, a city on a hill that cannot be hidden. He says, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. See, God wants to do a new thing in you, but he also, we have to understand that God is doing a new thing in our city. 
God is at work right now as we sit here on Sunday morning. God is at work in the lives of people all around us. And God is using different circumstances, different situations, different moments, different people to reveal His path and His truths to the world around us. There's no question that our God is at work. He's alive and He's active, right? We are privileged enough to serve the one and only true God. There are many gods, but He is the living God. He is the creator of the heavens and the earth. He is our creator. See, and God is at work. But sadly enough, see, and this is what we're going to wrestle through this morning. Sadly enough, there's this thing that we call fear. And a lot of us wrestle with it. I think, in fact, if we're honest with ourselves, each and every individual in this room, each and every individual in this community, in this world, we all deal with fear. It's part of our lives. It's an emotion that, that really it's, it's hard to understand and really it's hard to, take a, to, to have a grasp on. Because when, they're in the midst, when we're in the midst of fear, things happen to us. We begin to change. And we allow it to consume us. See, fear is something that we all deal with. And our, all our fears are all different. You know, for some of us, we're afraid to share the gospel of Jesus Christ because maybe someone will be offended, maybe because someone will, will be hurt. Maybe we'll lose a relationship or a friendship that we've had forever and a day. And if we share Jesus with them, we're fearful that maybe they won't like us anymore. They want to be a part of our lives anymore. You know, maybe, maybe we're fearful of, of losing our job. Maybe we're fearful of, of a family member becoming ill. And for all of us, we all have fear. You know, I asked my, my kids this last week, I said, what, what is your greatest fear in life? You know, what do you think about at night? What do you worry about? What is your greatest fear? And initially, uh, my son, he couldn't answer that question. And then as we sat there and I let him kind of think about it, he says, well, my greatest fear, Dad, honestly, would be this, that you or Mom would die before me or Samantha would die before me. He said, honestly, if, if I had to be truthful with myself, that would probably be my greatest fear. I would rather that I would die first before you guys. See, we all wrestle with a fear. Some of it is different for others, but we all wrestle with that. So this morning, I want to ask you to do something for me. I want you to ask yourself, what is my greatest fear? What am I most afraid of right now? What causes me to be anxious in moments? And I want you to bring that fear out. And I I want to address that fear this morning. Because God's word has some very specific things for us when it comes to fear. God speaks a lot about fear in his word. And he gives us these great reminders about fear and who is in control at that time because they were going through some hard moments. They were in bondage and captivity. They were lost and wandering. They didn't know what was going to happen to them in the next moment. And God carries them through these tough moments. And he reminds them of a few things. There's a quote by... gentleman by the name of Dallas Willard. And he says this, he says, Fear is the anticipation 
of harm. Would you agree with that? Fear is the anticipation of harm. See, we're usually fearful because we're expecting something maybe negative or bad to happen, so it causes this anxiety in us. You know, when we're asked at school to to make a speech, right? We're not afraid of the speech in itself. We're, We're afraid of the outcome. We're afraid of what people will say. We're afraid that people will laugh at us or mock us or will mess up. See, it's the anticipation of some kind of harm. See, in this world that we live right now, we live in fear. You know, everything is fear. The, the politicians, the, the media, everything is, is focused on, on almost like fear-mongering. You know, they, they want to tell us about all the bad things that are going on in our world, which there are a lot of, but they almost put it out there so that they cause us to this place, bring us to this place where we're, we're fearful and we don't want to move and we don't want to do anything and we kind of go hide in the corner and we wonder what's going to happen next. See, God is the opposite. God wants us to know that we don't have to be fearful. God wants us to move beyond these four walls and get out of our comfort spots and go to a place where, yeah, it's scary, But he's at work and he's in control. See, he tells us some very specific things. If you look at Isaiah 43, we're going to read the first seven verses here. And as we get to this place in Isaiah, we see that God is in the process of restoring Israel to himself. God is in the process of restoration, which I believe God is in the process of restoration here in the city of Rio Rancho. You know, I, I get the privilege to meet with some, some pastors that, that do ministry here on the west side in Rio Rancho in, in Albuquerque. And there's a lot of them. There's about 15, 20 of them that, that gather together just for lunch on, on Mondays. And as we share our stories, as we share what God's doing in our lives, and we ask for each other to pray for one another, the constant thing that you hear from them is that God is at work. You know, and they may share, say something like, hey, you know what, life stinks right now. My wife and my family are struggling because in ministry right now, it's very hard. See, most of us wouldn't look at that and say, well, God's at work. We'd say, where is God? Why isn't he there? Why isn't he taking care of them? See, that's what is happening with the Israelites right now. They're in a tough moment and God is restoring them to himself. Starting in verse 1, Isaiah 43, God says, but now, thus says the Lord, He who created you, O Jacob. He who formed you, O Israel. And then he says, fear not. I want you to circle fear not in your notes there or in your Bible. He says, fear not for I have redeemed you. I have called you by my name. By name, excuse me. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overwhelm you. When you walk through fire, you shall not be burned and the flame shall not consume you. For I am the Lord your God. I want you to circle for I am. The Holy One of Israel, your Savior. I give Egypt as your ransom, Cush and Seba in exchange for you. Because you are precious in my eyes and honored and I love you. I want you to circle I love you. I give men in return for you, peoples in exchange for your life. Fear not, for I am with you. 
I will bring your offspring from the east and from the west. I will gather you. I will say to the north, give up. And to the south, do not withhold. Give him everything. Bring my sons from afar and my daughters from the end of the earth. Everyone who is called by my name, whom I created for my glory, whom I formed and made. I want to back up a little bit. I want you to flip over to Isaiah 41. See, I I want us to, to really get an understanding of what God is doing and what he's saying here at this moment. So we have to back up a little bit. In Isaiah 41, verses 8 through 10, God makes this statement. He says, But you, Israel, my servant, Jacob, whom I have chosen, the offspring of Abraham, my friend, you whom I took from the ends of the earth and called from its farthest corner, saying to you, you are my servant, I have chosen you and not cast you off. In verse 10 he says, fear not, for I am with you. Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you, I will help you, I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. You think about that when you live life? When you're in those moments of fear and anxiety? Do you remind yourself that God is with you? That he's holding you with his righteous right hand? What a beautiful picture God is drawing for those that he loves. See, and then chapter 42, Isaiah describes the worst of all worst case scenarios. God pours out his wrath on the Israelites. He pours out his wrath on the people that are around there. And he does some amazing things. Some things that that even in this world today that we might not pay attention to, we might not see. But God does. He pours out his wrath. He's in opposition Right now, there's this, this, this tension between God and people that's going on in Isaiah 42. And I'll tell you, there could be nothing worse. If we're going to be fearful of something, this is what we should be fearful of. Being in opposition to God. Being out of God's will for our lives. If we're going to fear something, that's what we should fear. Not the world around us. Not people. Jesus says this, he makes a bold statement in Matthew. He says, he says, don't fear the person that could take your life. He says, fear the one that owns your soul. See, if we're going to fear anything, we should fear God. And that fear that we should have is a reverence for God, for who he is. See, and God is reminding us here in this passage that we're looking at in Isaiah 43. He's telling us who he is. See, the Bible tells us very clearly that God is love, right? First John says God is love and there is what? No fear in love. So when we walk with God, when we're in God's will, when we're obedient to God's calling in our lives, there is no fear because we have love. God is love. See, when God is on our side, we can trust in the fact that he'll take care of us. Any other fears, any other anxieties in any circumstance, 
we have to trust and know that he will prepare the way, that God is with us. You know, this passage that we looked at last week, Isaiah 43, he says that he's going to make a way in the desert for us. It's kind of ironic that we live in a desert, right? <laughs> God is preparing a way in the desert for us. And, and if, you, if you can just imagine, just for a second, maybe even just close your eyes and think about the, the pictures of deserts that you've seen. For most of us, it's you know the Sahara Desert or the Mojave Desert or, or wherever, but all you see is just rolling hills of nothing but dirt, sand. You know, for us, the image and the picture of a, a desert is something that there's nothing growing. There's nothing new in there. It's this forever of nothingness. And what God is saying here, he's saying, I am preparing a way for you. I am making a way for you in the desert. Even though you don't see what is going on here, I am creating a path for you. See, God wants the people of Israel to know that he's doing something new. He wants them to know that he is in control, even when it seems out of control. See, he wants us to know the same thing. You know, life can get out of control pretty quickly. We can make choices and make decisions that can start this spiral and it ends up going downward and downward and downward. But even in the midst of that, God is still in control. God is still with you and he still has his hand upon you. And his hand is righteous and it's loving. And he has your very best interest in mind. See, when we trust this fact, when we live in faith, and that's a key word right there, is when we live in faith, when we live in faith, we are saying to the world around us that we trust God and not man. We trust what God is doing even in the midst of circumstances and we don't trust the circumstances. But we know that God is doing a new thing, that He is at work all around us. Well, in chapter 42, there's a verse that just popped out to me. And I think it's a verse that, that, that God asks a question here. And I think it's a verse that, that we need to pay attention to. In Isaiah 42, uh, verse 23. And I, again, I think we need to listen to this question. God says this. He says, Who among you will give ear to this? Will attend and listen for the time to come? Who will listen to what I am doing and to what I am saying? Who will pay attention? Just like he tells us in Isaiah 43, he says, Do you not perceive what I am doing? Are you listening? You know, sometimes when we listen, we've got to listen with our eyes. Sometimes it it, it takes us to, to kind of look around the world and see what's going on. To understand that God is at work. So what God in essence is saying is, who will have faith? Who will trust me? Knowing that that I am doing some things here. Who will listen for the time to come? Because I'm going to show you some things. I'm going to reveal to you some things. But I want to know, will you pay attention? Will you listen for those words? Will you listen for the things that I'll say? You know, I, I truly believe with all of my heart that God gave us His Word very intentionally. 
Now you can you can challenge the different versions of the Bible. You can bring in all kinds of other th- stuff to say, well, you know, maybe here and maybe there. But you know what? The truth of the matter is God's word is God's word. The question that you really should be questioning is am I listening to it? See, because there's something in here for each and every one of us. So as I read Isaiah 42 and, I, and that sentence popped out to me, in that moment God was speaking to me and he was telling me, Floyd, are you listening to what I am doing? Are you paying attention to where I'm at in your life personally? Are you trusting me? Will you trust me? And for others, as you read that passage, there may be other words that God is saying to you. There may be other little pieces in there that God wants to speak to you specifically. But again, it goes back to that question, am I listening? See, the most important thing about faith, especially in the middle of a crisis, is that God is trying to teach us something. And we, in our faith, in our trust, have to know that God is God. And He's at work. And He's trying to do a new thing. As we look at these few verses here in our passage in 43, I think there's some things in here that you and I should listen for. And I I pulled out a few of them that I want to share with us because I think they're really key words in this passage. The first one is, is God says, but now. See, the Israelites have gone through this process, this high and low you know, of experiencing. He brought them out of Egypt and then he moves them and they end up in bondage again. They end up captives again. You know, we see in Jeremiah where, where they're, they're sitting on the outskirts of Babylon still without a home and they're wondering, they're whining, they're complaining and wondering what's God doing. And I believe God does this in all of our lives, especially as we start whining and babbling about what's going on here. Why are we in this moment? God says, but now. God says, here's the turning point. But the question again is, will I listen for that but now? See, in in verse 1, first part, he says, but now, thus says the Lord, he who created you, O Jacob, he who formed you, O Israel. God says, here is your turning point and because I love you, because I've formed you and I've created you, watch what I'm going to do. See, these two words are words that change our course. It's a pivot point in our lives that God's doing to change our course, to help us discover the new thing that He's doing, not only in our lives, but in the lives of those around us. You know, if we don't, see what God is doing in our own lives, how can we expect to see what God is doing in other people's lives? You know, I don't know about you guys, every year but I, I set goals for myself. And they're usually the, the same aspect of the, the way I set them. You know, it's, it's usually personal. I start with personal and then I, I go to, um, I go to, from personal I go to spiritual and from spiritual I go to ministry. And there's, there's an intentionality in that because I believe that, and, and I believe it's biblical, that if we're not healthy personally, if we're not doing things to take care of our own selves, and that sounds a little selfish, but I, I believe it's healthy, if we don't take care of ourselves, 
How can we take care of anybody else? And the biggest part of our personal growth, our personal goals should be spiritual. You know, it should be understanding what God wants and desires for our lives. If we can get those two first two, the, the personal and the spiritual, and, it, and we can work towards those, I promise you the third thing, the ministry part, will just fall right into place. Because God will open doors, He'll create opportunity, and you'll be in a place to where you can help and be a part of in a healthy way. And I'm not just saying it in the sense of, well, if I'm having a hard time in my life, if I'm, you know, turmoil's happening all in my world, you know, relationally or whatever, that I can't minister, absolutely not. God will still use you to minister. But what has to happen in those two moments is the dependence and the trust and the faith in who God is in your life. That's the variable there. See, because we're all going to have tough moments. We're all going to deal with life. And for all of us, it's different. But God will use you in those moments. He will allow you to go through some of those storms so that He can use you again while someone else goes through that same storm. Just curious curious right now. How many of you have gone through something tough in your life and to find out maybe a month, maybe a year, maybe 10 years later, that God put you in front of someone that went through the same thing or similar experience. And he allowed you the privilege to minister to these people. To say, hey, you know what? I've experienced that. I know those emotions and I understand where you're at. See, God says, but now. It's a pivot. It's a turning point. And God wants to take that turning point and use it to help you understand what he's doing, to grow you in your faith in him. See, God is doing some things in your life right now that that you may not completely understand, and that's okay. Just keep trusting him, knowing that he'll show you and he'll reveal to you the path that he has set before you, and just trust him. I love what Hebrews 11, 1 through 3 says. It's going to be up on, on the screen there. It says, now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction, we all know what conviction is, of things not seen, for by it the people of old received their commendation. That's not one through 40, just so you know. (laughs) Let Let me read it from here it's faith it's one through three it says now faith is the assurance of things hoped for the conviction of things not seen for by it the people of old received their commendation by faith we understand that the universe was created by the word of god so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible the question is will you listen will you live by faith i remember it when I was uh, the youth pastor here at the church, we, we get to go to youth camp every year. If you've never gone to youth camp, I'd encourage you as an adult, um, and you have, especially if you have kids that, that go to youth camp, um, I would encourage you and challenge you to go. You, your life will be changed. It, it will be changed. It, God does some amazing things in this one week in the lives of our students. Um, so this one year we went, 
and they separate the adults from the kids at different times throughout the day and, and they mix us around. And, and uh, So they wanted us to experience some of the things that the kids were experiencing. So at this camp up in the Manzana Mountains, there's this big, huge rock. I mean, it's probably, you know, 10 tons of just boulder. I don't even know how it got there. It probably was already there. And it stands probably about five feet tall. Um, and uh, it's huge. You can stand on it. Three or four people can stand on it. So they take all these adults out there and they tell us, all right, guys, this is what we're going to do. We're going to line up four and four on each side. And then one of you and all of us, but one at a time, is going to get up there. And you're going to stand, put your arms like this, with your eyes closed, stand right on the edge. And you're going to fall backwards. And we're going to catch you. Imagine how many people said, all right, let's do it. Not too many, right? See, that, that's what faith is. God says, get on the edge. Get out of these four walls. Move beyond what you think would be comfortable, knowing that I'm at work. And then he just simply says, trust me. He says, fall. I'll catch you. I'll hold you. You know, as as we went through the line, of course, I'm a little bit of a daredevil. Not too much, but a little bit of it. So, I, of course, I volunteer first. And everybody's excited because I'm the little guy. Like, oh, yeah, we catch him. (laughs) No big deal, you know. But there came a point when we got through the rotation, uh, there was a very big gentleman in our group, probably about six five, six eight, you know, very, very big in stature. And a few of the ladies there, because it was mixed men and women, said, I don't know if I can catch him. And he looked at him and says, I don't think you can. <laughs> but he did it. He stepped onto that boulder and he did it out of faith. I want to challenge us as a church this year. Let's step on that boulder. Let's get right on the edge. And let's trust God. And watch Him do some amazing things <laughs> in our community. He'll open the doors. He'll close the doors. He'll create the opportunities. But God is at work and He wants to do a new thing in our community. Well, secondly, God says this. In the second part of verse 1, God says, Fear not. This is where the fear not. This is where the we got to do this part comes in. He says, fear not. The next two words that that faith listens to when the worst things are going on around us, when the world seems like it's in chaos, when our lives feel like they're in chaos, God says, fear not. See, again, God reminds us in these passages that He is the living God. He is alive. Do you believe that this morning? Do you believe that the God that we serve is alive and active and moving in our community? Do you trust that? Amen. Amen. God is alive and he's reaching out and he's calling us by name and he's telling us, fear not because I am God. Don't worry. Don't be afraid because I will hold you. I don't know about you guys, but this week as I was I was praying and, and just thinking about all that's going on in my life and all the things that God has done, you know, in my 29 years of life. Hey, you're not supposed to get I wasn't a joke, okay? <laughs> Come on now. Just thinking about all that God has done in my life. There are some, some wow moments wow moments that I think that 
man, by the grace of God, I am here today. And we, it's going to sound silly and funny maybe. Maybe it won't. But think about the moment. Think about that fear. Remember I told you to bring it to the front. Think about that fear that you have and you hold on to and causes anxiety in your life or worry or whatever it causes. And think about it this way. That's God's grace in your life. The understanding and the comprehension that we do have this fear and sometimes it binds us and holds us is God's grace being revealed in your life today. Because God isn't going to leave you there. See, that's what grace does. It, it shows us and it reveals to us the love and the mercy that the God that created us has for His people. And then it moves us to a place. So that's God's grace. That's God's love for you. It's God's love for me. So He says, fear not. Listen to what He says in verse 2. I'm sorry, let me back up because I've got a passage in Deuteronomy here that I want you to see. Deuteronomy 33, verse 12. He says, The beloved of the Lord dwells in safety. The high ground, the high God surrounds him all day long and dwells between his shoulders. Oh, we got that one wrong up there. That's okay. There we go, we got it. 29. See, God says, Fear not. Because he's going to be with us no matter what. God is with us no matter what. And that's what verse 2 is all about here in this passage. God says, when you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overwhelm you. When you walk through fire, you shall not be burned, and the flames shall not consume you. God says, fear not, I am with you. And God says, the last thing, he says, I am. I am. Verse 3 says, For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. I give Egypt as your ransom, Cush and Seba in exchange for you. See, I want you to hear these words. Because these two words are, are probably the most important part of this passage. In fact, if anything, we've got to understand these two words before we can understand anything else God says to us. We have to understand that God is I am. All throughout scripture, God calls himself I am. What is exactly is he saying when he says this? See, when you look at the phrase I am, we have to understand that it's God's not merely pointing to his existence, but he's pointing towards his action. See, we have to understand that God doesn't just exist, but God is active and he's moving and he's doing things in our lives and in the lives of those that are around us. And then we listen for his voice. We listen for the things that he's doing for us. And we listen in faith, trusting that God is going to lead us and do things in our lives. He's going to give us pivot points. He's going to say, but now Floyd even though you've gone through that, even though you've wrestled through that. But now, going forward, I'm going to do some other things in your life. I'm going to bring you to a different place. And he says, fear not, because I am with you. I am with you. 
We have to hold on to that. We have to understand that. And we have to trust who God is. If we're ever to leave these four walls and go out and minister to our community and make a difference and be an impact in Rio Rancho, we've got to understand that big piece of this picture. Who God truly is. When we grasp that, when we trust that, and we hold on to that, God will use us in a way to help others trust that and grasp onto that and hold on to that. See, God is faithful. He loves us. And he's brought us to this place for a reason, for a purpose. And he's promised that he's going to go out before us and he's going to prepare the way. We just have to do our part. Well, the last thing I want to share with you as we close is that too often we make the mistake of looking for God in the likely. We look for him in the, in the comfortable spots. I want to challenge us as a church to look to God in the unlikely. If we see an individual or we see a neighborhood or we see an opportunity that we say to ourselves, oh, this is unlikely that I'll do anything in this or I'll be any good in this moment or that God will do anything in this moment. I want to challenge us as a church to look for God in that moment because God will take the unlikely and he'll use it for his glory. You know what? If you were to ask someone when I was about 18, 17 years old, that, hey, what do you think Floyd will do when he, he gets older? What do you think the path that he's on right now, where is he headed? Well, it's unlikely that any one of them would have said he'll be a pastor one day. And I got to imagine in your life, there's been a lot of unlikely comments about you. But God wants to take that unlikely and he wants to change it. He wants to create something new and he wants to do the same thing in our community. So let's, as a church, let's commit to getting out of these four walls, being a part of and being excited about what God is doing. And when we see the unlikely, let's trust the fact that God is at work in the midst of that. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for your word. Lord, we, we thank you that, that you restore us, that you bring us to these places that uh, are just places that, that, uh, that you're in. Father, you, you take us, you move us, you shape us, you guide us, you do all these great things in our lives. But sadly enough, there's times when we don't listen. Lord, open our eyes, open our hearts, open our ears so that we would hear more clearly, that we would see more clearly, and that our hearts would be softer and humbler so that we can honor and glorify you with everything that you want to do in us and through us, Father. Lord, we, we this morning as the church, as the body of Christ, we stand together with all the other pieces of the body and we give you glory, we give you praise, we come to worship you, but also, Father, we stand in prayer on behalf of the city of Rio Rancho. Because we know that there's a lot of unlikely things going on in our community. There's a lot of messiness relationally, financially, emotionally. There's a lot of things going on around us. And Father, as you open doors and you create opportunities, Father, help us to be the hands and feet. Help us to be obedient, to be a light, 
so that we could bring glory to you, Father. Lord, we love you and we trust you and we give this to you and we look to you and we do it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening and we pray you were blessed by today's message. You're invited to worship with us Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. For directions and information about Soul Rio and our weekly events, please visit our website at soulrio.com. You may also contact us by phone at area code 505-792-8737 or email us at info at soulrio.com. At Soul Rio, we're a community of followers of Jesus Christ, committed to live by faith, to be known by love, and to be a voice of hope to our community. We invite you to go with us on this journey.